Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Calou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tomac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Hello and welcome along. Welcome to the latest episode of Le Beaujeu. Coming up in the pod, Payet produces an Olympic performance as Marseille give Lyon a rude welcome. PSG are like the cat that got the milk as they squeeze a win in Brest and Saint-Etienne are up to fourth as the Claude Puel revival continues. Joining me on this bank holiday morning because the 11th of November is always a, uh, a national holiday in France. I have only two guests, but two exceptional guests. Opposite me, the uh, the host, we are in his wonderful apartment, it's Robbie Thompson. That's the reason why I'm here, I suspect. Thank you, Matt. Lovely to be here all the same. And your knowledge and uh, your coffee. Um, Armel Tanguy is also here after uh, after another busy weekend in, in Ligue 1 for Armel. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Just managed to get out of my waterproof poppy costume. I wore on my way here. <laughs> the weather is not good. It's mm. true. Uh, shall we shall we chat very quickly about uh, the state of public holidays in France and the fact that there are more uh, very in France quickly. than any other country in the world? I was I was looking through it the other day. Eleven public holidays in France. Italy's the same. Australia only has eight, and I think England only has eight as well. Is that true? So there you go. But what what is a real advantage? France almost has a long weekend every month of the year. That's in not... May and November. You've got a couple. I mean, it's, it's good. It's, it's spectacular. It's, it's, it's like very, international breaks every uh, every it's, month. It's and we're on one of those too. Exactly. So happy days. <laughs> and so it's, it's double trouble this this week. Happy days. And just before we move on to the football, it's a miracle. There, there's there, a pot there of is all, a lot. Really, there is a today. lot to talk about this week. My wife is born, was born on the 11th of November, and she's French. So every single birthday is a bank holiday, which means she gets to have a a, a party every year, and people can come. And we celebrated her 40th this weekend. So happy birthday, Ava! Yes, congratulations. Um, Ava. Congratulations and um, hanging in there with Matt all these years. <laughs> she's she's doing well. She's actually happy because she's from Marseille and last night it was uh, a, a terrific night for Marseille. We had the Olympico which we were just uh, debating or discussing before we started this pod. Has this become now the biggest fixture fixture in, in, in French football? Marseille against Lyon. The rivalry is building and building and building and last night's Marseille welcomed Rudy Garcia, their, their former coach, back to the velodrome. They gave him, as you would expect, a real earful. Um, he is now the Lyon coach. He was steadying the ship at Lyon. But um, it was a record crowd, over 65,000 inside the velodrome. It was very, very noisy. We had incredible tifo. The Marseille president, uh, Jacques-Henri Ayrault, warned us that we were going to see something unique in the whole of Europe. He, he built it up and it, it was quite spectacular. If you do get the chance to get onto social media and, and have a look, some of the, uh, the famous monuments, uh, Notre Dame de la Garde was, uh, was depicted, as was the, uh, the founder of uh, Olympique de Marseille. It was a celebration of 120 years of Marseille. OM ran out 2-1 victors, two goals from Dimitri Payet, Moussa Dembele, reduced the deficit in the second half uh, for Lyon. Marseille were down to 10 men. For much of the second half, Alvaro Gonzalez sent off, but they held on, Armel. And uh, overall, Marseille deserved that that three points. And by the way, three points that have taken them up to second place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they deserved the win totally. Well, first of all, it was a, a visual masterpiece, a great advert for the French game, and and it was good to, good to see Marseille finally winning a big game at home. I think it's nice to see that that brilliant crowd. It was a new. Uh, record attendance in the French league and I think it's quite nice to see a, a win when when they put that five and a half years since they hadn't beaten Lyon as well exactly think, yeah so. 2014 yeah. Gignac scored yeah. twice Adult. last time they won so and and yeah on the performance it was deserved I think every single player in that Marseille 11 looked confident last night and that's I hadn't seen that for quite a while even the likes of uh, Jordan Amavi was passing it around precisely and Taking taking on players with confidence. Morgan Sanson, his goal last weekend looks to have revitalised him. They look in good physical shape too. They look like they had a an extra yard or two when they were running past the Lyon players. And I'm sure David Crossan will agree with me that that's perhaps because they're not playing in Europe this season that they've got <laughs> they've got that extra bit of energy. But 
we've been talking about how Marseille's bench hasn't been particularly strong in the past few years. Well, last night they brought Strotman off the bench to see a game out. They brought Germain off the bench. Okay, he's not going to score you a goal, but he can hold up the ball well. He makes the runs into channels. I think, all in all, they'll be very pleased with that performance and it's promising for the year to come considering Florian Tovar has only played 20 minutes of football for them and he's probably their best player. Well, they bought, they bought Germain on for Dimitri Payet who had cramp in the 75th minute because he... He had just given a huge amount, and I just want to talk about. Yeah, you should go because... back to his whole match, Matt, including his two days ma- before it started. Two days before, exactly, because <laughs> he launched the hostilities, didn't he, by coming out and uh, talking about his former coach Rudy Garcia. He obviously wanted to get a few things off his chest, and he said, "You know, I can't understand how this guy, who apparently hated Leon and who was dissing all the Leon players, the Leon president, the Leon fans, just a few months, you know, after leaving Marseille, he's gone and offered himself." To this, to this football club. So he was, you know, quite clearly... Uh, it was spectacular. It quite was just, clearly on a one. Was, yeah. But what is impressive, I think, you know, it's it's quite gutsy to come out and and to say that before the big game because you're talking the talk, you've then got to follow it up. And he did. And he did. And I know a lot of people this morning are thinking, well, hang on, if Dimitri Payet can run like that, can play like that, can, can, can have an influence like that on a big game, well, you know, what's he doing every, you know, most of the other weeks? Because... He, he was absolutely tremendous but on that, Sunday. That's always been a, a part of Dimitri Payet's game, hasn't it? I mean, everyone's known for years and years and years at Saint-Étienne, at, at Nantes, at, at Lille, that he was an incredibly talented player that never West Ham really was fulfilled. Right, well. And then at West Ham, he had that incredible year. And I mean, it was a, a spectacular year. And then the next year, more, more problems. Mm. And then at Marseille, his first, his first season at Marseille was, was very good. I mean, he's a... He's obviously a talented player. He must feel, and I, I feel this about Dimitri Payet, about Lauren Koscielny, about a few other players. Adrian Rabiot's not quite in, in the same situation. But these players that missed out on that World Cup squad through injury, purely through injury, Payet was in the team. He would have been a World Cup winner. And that must just gut you. I mean, you must just be... He's got I mean, some gut God. on him too. Exactly. But at the same time, there. <laughs> There are, there are players who were involved and who really struggled to, to recover from it. Adil Rami talked about having burnout. and he But he's a World Cup winner. He, no, exactly. It doesn't he matter. Whatever Cup, happens he won- now, he's a World Cup yeah, winner. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Hugo Lloris, another example. I think he's really like, not quite been the same goalkeeper since, since winning the World Cup. But listen, let's, let, let's stick with Ligue 1 yeah. and, and with Marseille. <laughs> Fantastic for them to have, to have Payet playing football like that. Dario Benedetto, again, didn't have his best game, but they know they've got... A goal threat. We saw Bubaka Kamara again playing in that defensive midfield role. Strootman on the bench. So I think we can assume now there is a, um, you know, a clear decision. It's not just resting Kevin Strootman. Mm. It's that uh, Vias Boas, he wants to give this young centre-back, um, Bubaka Kamara, a proper run now playing defensive midfield. And he was excellent again. I think it's also because that uh, centre-back partnership of Gonzalez and Shaletta Saar is looking stronger and stronger with every game they play together. And Camera is almost too good to leave out of the team. He'll go back to centre back now with uh, Gonzalez suspended for a couple of games after the uh, the red he picked up against Leon. But it's as I said earlier with being able to take uh, bring Strutman and Jamal off the bench. Andre Villas-Boas now seems to have options. Imagine that as a Marseille coach, he actually got a selection headache, and it's. I don't know. It, it think, things seem kind of positive at Marseille at the moment. Well, and that's what I was, I was it, trying it, to tell fair, you guys last week. I think the expectations are, are much lower, and Vias Boas has damp. He's 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 gone out of his way really to lower those mm. expectations. And but if it's 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 him that's taken the risk to put in other players that weren't that you wouldn't necessarily think on reputation or on paper were first choice. And as soon as you make that decision to put them in the starting eleven, then obviously. Players with bigger reputations, with more experience, are on the bench, and that's where your options come from. If Strotman starts and you've got Camera on the bench, do we still think the bench is yeah. as good? Yeah. And there's the depth. Like, like, I mean, yeah. that, it's a it's a perception <laughs> thing as well. It's it's and also also I think the signings have been more effective because last year they were spending in excess of twenty million uh, or you know around about twenty million. They're certainly Strotman was more expensive than that. Radonjic was expensive as well, and these guys didn't really bring anything. And now you've got. Rangier, who came in for about 15 million, and Benedetto's similar price, and they've been much better signings. So whether that's Zubi Zaretta exerting more influence, uh, Rudy Garcia perhaps, perhaps having less influence, we, we don't quite know. 
Um, Zubizarreta, who was within, uh, uh, apparently within a, a thread of being shown the door and, and exiting Marseille about a month ago. He always looks I mean, half asleep when you see him on the, on the TV <laughs> the, screen. Guys, the league the league on standings are unbelievable. Marseille are second now. I mentioned that they they have a negative goal difference, which is just extraordinary to have a team in second place with a negative goal difference. Had Lyon won last night, Lyon would have had 19 points and would have been level with Marseille. Marseille won, Marseille second, Lyon a 14th. I mean, it is just it, it, it is incredible how tight it is. We've talked about it. Um, in the last weeks, the facts that that the Lyon, Monaco, Marseille, even the likes of Saint-Étienne, you know, struggled in the opening weeks of the season. And it's just meant that the league table is wide open. Even Lille, very inconsistent, but they are they're they're currently in in fifth position. I mean, it's there for the taking for Marseille uh, in terms of a top three finish and qualifying for the Champions League. What about Lyon? What about Lyon? They they got that good win against Benfica in midweek. They're in a strong position in their Champions League group. But this is this is a blow. And of course, what people are saying this morning, particularly smug Marseille fans, they're saying, well, Rudy Garcia always loses the big matches because <laughs> he always did for them. And interestingly enough now, just briefly before we move on to Lyon, if you look at the games that Marseille have won this season, they've now beaten Lyon, Lille, Monaco, Saint-Étienne and Nice, whereas their problem used to always be not winning their big games now they can't win the small under ones. Rudy Garcia. Yeah, they need yeah. well, they need Tovan back as well because he only scores. Yeah, but you're, but, but you're right. They, <laughs> they, they're their second, having got through a very tough run of mm. matches. Yeah, yeah, and that's what's uh, what what's encouraging for them. But it also shows us that you string together a few wins and are. you can yeah. climb straight back. Even just three wins in a row or three out of four. Look at Nantes, who have been sitting second for Ninth they've lost now. four in a row mm. now, and they've dropped from I think overnight second. Yeah. Well, this weekend, from 2nd to ninth, That's how tight it is. It's great for the league. It means that the likes of Nice, who have a big project, the likes of Olympic Lyonnais, Monaco, they know, even Rennes, that despite their, the fact that they're in a rough patch, they can climb back. We, can we talk about the, the new rivalry? Or yeah. perhaps not new, well, but over building, the last yeah. few mm. years of this and the drama surrounding this Marseille-Lyon clash now? Because we saw it. We've had the perfect example just a month ago of PSG versus Marseille, which was hardly a contest. Everyone on Marseille's side of the match anyway, trying to play it down to suggest that, you know, it's no longer a rivalry that they shouldn't be expected to win. This match, however, and with Dimitri Payet coming out and shooting from the hip in the pre-match press conference, with all the newspapers, with everyone talking about about this match, with the, the, the drama of Rudy Garcia changing, switching camp, all of this, just making this the new big match is it really a big match like do these does this rivalry run deep or is it a, it, no, a fabrication it is. is it the media and everyone building this up i think it's great there was excitement before this match mm, it was a mm. feeling that that something could happen in this match that i think it was they hate I, I think they hate each other i think the fans hate each other i think this is a genuine i think don't think this is a, a rivalry that the media have, have fabricated i mean mm. psg's emergence has meant that you, you know, Lyon and Marseille are invariably battling one another to, to get into the Champions League, mm -hmm. to be the closest rival um, to to Paris Saint-Germain. And I don't know, off the pitch, you know, Jean-Michel Olas has clearly had a bee in his bonnet about Marseille for quite some time and doesn't hesitate. You know, as, as soon as Marseille link with a, a, a big talent, Lyon, mm -hmm. Lyon uh, you know, <laughs> are, are in there as well. It's almost like they're just trying to annoy Marseille. Moussa Dembele. Moussa Dembele, yeah, absolutely, and and I think if you if you look at recent years, there was that game a couple of years ago where they were playing basically for Champions League qualification. Same fixture, Marseille Lyon, and Memphis Depay scored that late header to make yeah. it three two for Lyon. Marcelo, yeah, with the shirt up and all the fight. sorts of Anthony Lopez stuff. punching punching exactly. people yeah. in the tunnel. It's yeah. These sorts of incidents that you can kind of look back on a few years down the line as a a catalyst for for real engagement in the game and real hate between two teams. I think, so. I think we've reached that stage. And the players I can change the coaching staff, but the fans don't forget this sort of event either. You look mm. at, at other examples of it, the famous Arsenal-Manchester United mat of the yeah. of the 90s and trouble in the tunnel. The fans don't forget that sort of thing. And and probably the fans won't forget Marcelo showing his shirt to the to the to the Marseille fans, his his Leon number six after that win, and perhaps the most hostile reception we've seen in recent times was was uh, Matteo Valbuena, a little uh, yeah. when they had effigy being yeah, an effigy hung, hanging, yeah. hanging, and as from if the, the, the effigy wasn't enough, 
They drew a little penis on the back of the effigy as well, just in case he didn't That's understand that, that he wasn't, you know, welcome. Just to take it down and exactly, not short yeah, yeah, No, yeah, I think, exactly. you know, in, in the 90s, they were... I don't think there was a genuine rivalry between the clubs. I think probably in the uh, in the noughties, when Lyon started dominating, I think Jean-Michel Olas annoyed a lot of Marseille mm. support. You know, already he had that... You know, I think if you're a Lyon fan, you love Olas because he just defends your team regardless and he just looks at things through these uh, Lyon-tinted glasses. Um, and, uh, and you know, Marseille consider themselves the biggest football club in France. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, that, that rivalry has, has got bigger and bigger. And in recent years, those games... I, I would say Lyon-Saint-Étienne, Lyon-Marseille are now the two biggest fixtures in Ligue 1. Um, sadly, the Marseille-PSG rivalry has been diluted considerably. It will come back. Yeah, and I think it's still it's still one of the big games. I think there's still an excitement, certainly, but not to talk about PSG Marseille ahead of this match because just one more point then on Lyon Marseille is that the fact that Paris Saint Germain are, are eight points clear after thirteen matches that that the matches against them we've seen this season both Lyon and Marseille completely outplayed when they play PSG. It means there's more pressure on Marseille and Lyon to finish in that second place. To, there's there's one less champion spot available. They are the biggest budgets after Paris Saint Germain, along with Monaco. Yeah, there's pressure be, on those three sides. They have football. to be there. They have to be there because they have. If you take Paris Saint Germain out of the equation, you have one plus one places for the Champions League available, and they have to they have to fight tooth and nail to be there. Yeah, and of course you can throw a Monaco into the equation. Absolutely. If, you know, if Monaco are having a good season, then suddenly it's. And like... what happens if a Lille? You yeah, have a great season Lyon. like last year. And exactly. then you have Marseille missing out completely. Lyon struggled to create chances to be dangerous last night with Moussa Dembele. He got his goal, but uh, he was missing his partner in crime, Memphis Depay, who was who was ruled out with an injury. Armel, how much was that um, a miss for, for Lyon? They went with Maxwell Cornet and Bertrand Traore either side of, of Dembele. It's difficult to say how much they... Yeah, but Miss Depay, Memphis, Depay, but he's brilliant. He's class above he, he, for yeah. Leon. Well, he's he's he been the, the man, the, the guy who's who's lifted Absolutely. them under Garcia. Dembele's yeah. the scorer, but really Memphis Depay is yeah, yeah. the the player that can make things happen. I, w- I have to say, rather than look at negatives and what may have been, Ryan Shirky really mm-hmm. impressed me when he came off the bench in the second half. Sixteen years old. Yeah, and players and fans have been waiting for him to get his chance for a little while. And you as can well. you can understand why yeah. he hasn't scored yet in the professional game, but I have to admit I've been watching most of these videos. I see when he when he scores in the in the youth leagues and stuff, and I mean he looks incredible. Uh, it was last night, so he's playing in front of sixty five thousand people. I doubt he's done that many times before. Age sixteen, he was strong on the ball. He was looking to get forward every time he got it. Calm in possession. Mm. He he has got this sort of. Low centre of gravity and strength, Fekir-esque, wears the same number as well. And, and the confidence, he, he, he took a free kick late on, could have been a decisive free kick. What sort of 16-year-old yeah. takes a free kick yeah. at the Velodrome? When <laughs> no, he's, he's, I think he's phenomenally talented. What you have to hope is that he has you know, a, a good head because he's on big, big money already. Leon had to really dig deep to convince him to sign on. Uh, Manchester City and I think a whole other host of clubs you know, everybody knows about Ryan Cherokee in Europe in terms of the scouts. Yeah. Like Kylian Mbappe at 13 years of age, everyone yep. was, was chasing him. That's a really nice way of putting a 16-year-old down. It's like, yeah, he was as good as Kylian Mbappe when he was 13. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, I mean, that's the point that, you know, I don't think it's easy for a 16-year-old to, to, to be on that sort of money, and to know that everybody wants him. How many leagues him? are there in Europe that have so many 16, 17-year-olds Well, that's it. I was going to say, it's incredible. now Eduardo Camavinga celebrated his 17th birthday, yep. so we needed another 16 year old yeah. crack and we've got <laughs> we've got that crack does that work in english i know the french a crack use, no use crack. i don't think so what good conversation or <laughs> a... <laughs> just a hole in the wall it's been there for 16 years okay okay we're, we're we're not too worried about leon i mean i think we need to be quite worried but um 14th in the league but like you say a couple of wins for me leon but... could have leon could have you know with the red card as well leon could have grabbed something last night i don't think it's panic stations just yet the rudy garcia has a little job to do but the win against Benfica, I think, was was important as well. Rudy Garcia, we spoke a little bit about it last week. He's a he's a man motivator, and and you either have to be on board with him or you fall by the wayside. And I think that's, I mean, there are there are players that have fallen out with him, and you you don't go with him. But it, he's a man that can federate a, a dressing room, can bring a squad together, 
can get them all pulling in, in his direction. It doesn't necessarily work over the long term. I think Rudy's um, career has shown that, that yeah. it often ends a little bit sourly, but uh, that it can, I think, it can I, work I, 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 I do like your positivity. I, I'd be more worried. I'd be more worried just because I think he started in, in, a, in a very negative place because a lot of Lyon fans didn't want him. Um, this is true. This is true. And, but in and, terms and he's, of the squad, and he's just lost were... them, and he's just lost the first big grudge match. And you say, yeah, they could have, they could have got something when when Marseille had ten men. Marseille had ten men for half of the uh, game almost, and they didn't get something. And people will be looking yeah. at that and looking at the way he managed the second half. So you know, we'll see. I hope for Leon's sake, Robbie, you are you are right. But I have my doubts, and I like to have the last word. They ever. are three <laughs> points off fifth place only. So as well to look at purely at the facts although I do take your take your point he also let's not forget picked four, up a side four points that was, above second bottom as well exactly he picked up a side after the post Sylvinho side that was in all sorts of disarray as well Robbie Matt we're going to move on to your favourite subject soon but uh, just a quick <laughs> a quick reminder that we um, we do like your comments we like your questions um, you can email us uh, leaguearmpodcast at gmail.com you can uh, tweet us with the hashtag uh, le beau jeu we're going to talk about the league leaders we haven't mentioned Paris Saint-Germain it's almost like we're putting them to, to, to one side we talk about this Ligue 1 table that is so so tight well at the top PSG lead now by eight points. They became the first team to win at Brest this season. It's not been an easy place for teams to go to. And uh, to be fair, it wasn't easy for Paris Saint-Germain, the uh, the Brittany Minnows. I think it's fair to call them the Brittany Minnows. Um, pushed Paris hard and it was only when Mauro Icardi came on in the last 10 minutes and grabbed a winner that PSG clinched a 2-1 success. Robbie, overall... Um, PSG digging in and, and and getting the result. I mean, it's a, obviously a, a good result for Thomas Tuchel. Absolutely, good result. Well, I mean, there are various ways to look at it. You can you can start from the way that several French football fans start from it, which is Paris Saint Germain are so far in front of everyone they should win every game. So look, the for, the fact that they were forced to struggle is not uh, is not a good sign for them. No other team has won in Brest this season so Brest play with certain qualities and I thought in the first half in particular Paris Saint-Germain could have had another three or four goals as well they could have been up no you, you oh. disagree did you watch it I did oh. <laughs> I, I disagree I think if Brest had as much quality as they showed fight they'd have won 5-2 really yeah no so I, I've on the, hi- on the highlights I watched the- Sergio Rico who was the PSG goalkeeper um, performing in the absence of Kayla Navas. Had he went quite, off during the warm-up. Had, yeah, he had quite a lot to do, Rico. Well, he, I can only think of a, a couple of saves, really. And Paris Saint-Germain he d- dominated He possession. didn't make many saves, yeah. but Brest put a lot of shots wide. That's, yeah. that's why I'm saying. If they yeah, had as much quality... A lot quality, of crosses, aerial balls to deal with. Rico? I thought he was okay. In the first half, there was one <laughs> one bad pass out where he had a heavy touch, yeah, where he almost cool, got himself in, him. in, in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. trouble. I mean, but PSG lost to Dijon, then edged past Bruges at home in the Champions yeah. League against another side that that tried to get stuck in, yeah, and, and and you know really make them work for it. Brest is the same, and maybe there as we've always said for years and years and years against the, the biggest, richest side in any competition, perhaps your best way of trying to get something out of them is to get stuck in and ruffle a few feathers. And the fact that Paris have been able to get the win, uh, I think is a positive sign. Just in case our, our listeners aren't aware, PSG uh, opened the scoring through Ankel Di Maria, who uh, was at a brilliant goal again. He was played mm-hmm. through by Draxler. Five goals, five assists now for, for Di Maria in the league this season. Samuel Grancier equalised for Brest with 18 minutes to go. And uh, it was after Edinson Cavani was taken off in the 80th minute, replaced by Mauro Icardi, that uh, things changed. Icardi with a really clever, neat finish, a couple of uh, touches, quick footwork. And uh, Icardi again... Um, Finding the back of the net and, you know, the pressure is building. I don't know how much of this is just the media trying to make it into a big thing, but the pressure is building on Edinson Cavani because people are saying, well, he just doesn't look as mobile. And over 80 minutes, he had just one shot. And Uh, Icardi scored after five minutes of being on the pitch. 
Yes, he didn't have his best game, but how do you expect a guy that hasn't started since the 25th of September mm. to just come back in I and, agree. Yeah. and click? I and mean, coming, from in, coming back from injury as well. The, the only slightly worrying thing, if I was Edinson Cavani waking up on this Monday morning, would be the fact that Angel Di Maria, who's been linking up so well with Mbappe and Icardi in the past few weeks, wasn't able to find him. They weren't quite on the same sheet singing from the same sheet anyway that's perhaps the only worrying thing from that game they'd probably be worried about the fact you have to get a flight to Uruguay uh, this morning if you were waking up as Edinson Cavani oh I've been called up to the national team haven't I? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no but yes. I, I, I do feel the media and, and maybe it's because PSG is so dominant people uh, try to find cracks try to find issues and, and problems and I think you know a few weeks ago I was saying listen uh, Cavani's the main man the fans love yeah. him he's you know, club legend and what have you, and he's going to be first choice because he always fights and he comes back. I think Icardi is ahead of him now in terms of the pecking mm. order, and it's going to be up to Cavani to to get that game time, to get that sharpness back, and to win his place back. Absolutely, but that's the way it should work in mm. every squad, mm. and that's the that's what Coach Thomas Tuchel has said as well because he's been peppered with questions from the media over the last month about Edinson Cavani v Mauro Icardi, and and. For some reason, and it's, it's, it's why football, and we come back to these romantic notions of football and, and loyalty and why a, f- a player is a fan favourite. Cavani has scored 195 goals for Paris Saint-Germain. So 40 more, nearly 39 more than uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's far and away the club's all-time leading goal scorer. And the fans love that. The fans love the fact that he's the, the record scorer, that he's been there for six seasons now, six and a half years. And also the way, the, the, the way he carries himself, no? And the way he and just absolutely, absolutely That he shows great respect always for the, for the supporters and the institution, that he's a hard worker, that and he comes back. And he's not on Instagram, he's not in the nightclubs and, and, and like certain other players. Absolutely. No, yeah. All of that, all of that is part of the, the aura of Edinson Cavani. But on the pitch, you have a player. Cavani, let's not forget, Cavani is out injured. Mauro Icardi comes in and scores in every game and scores winners against Galatasaray away, scores in, in important goals in big it's matches, Marseille. scores a double against Marseille as well, and does it, and this is something that the French and the Italians absolutely love, he does it with that ruthless efficiency. He hardly yeah. touches a football yeah. in a match, and it's just the one touch that comes his way. It's on target. I think his first five shots on goal were all on target for four goals. In a Paris Saint-Germain shirt. When I when I saw Ricardi's goal against Brest on on TV, I just thought, oh, a messy goal, nothing, nothing, nothing good. It was deflected it, and then I saw the replay, and you saw, in fact, how clever it was, like yeah. how he just got his left foot touch to flick the ball up mm. away from the defender, and then just prodded it, but prodded it very quickly before the goalkeeper had time to recover. And you know, it it yeah, was deadly. Clinical. It was deadly. Yeah, it, it, I think he saw a stat. Don't quote me on this, but he scores pretty much every seventeen touches. Yeah, that's it. I've got it up. Because yeah. well, it was 24, it's, it's, so it's, it's come down a goal even more. Every 17 touches in Ligue 1 this season, that's five goals from 84 touches of yeah. the ball. That's, that's, like, that's like Neymar passes the ball every 17 touches. Funnily, before before he came back, Edinson Cavani was second on that list. About uh, two weeks ago, mm. that statistic was Icardi a goal every 24 touches and Cavani a goal every 25. So, but now I think uh, Cavani's. What? Probably blown out. While we're being so positive about the Parisians, I'll, I'll add, I'll add <laughs> to it. it. It was the first time that Levin Kozawa played a full 90 minutes since the 2nd of March. Mm. It was probably his best game since then as has, well. Has he been called up to the France? But he, he's, no. he has also played for France no, since no. then, no? Didn't I know, he play that, in That's what amazes me. Deschamps keeps, keeps calling him up. No, and he played he well as well for France. Uh, oh, because Benjamin Mendy's back. back. Yeah. 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 But that's only because Juan Bernat needed a break. Juan Bernat's been playing an awful lot of football. Competition for places now, though. Absolutely. And mm. that's, how, that's how it works. But I don't, I don't get, and I know everyone else does, I don't get the Kurzava criticism factor or to the point that it is because he's an incredible athlete he gives you attacking options yeah on that left hand side yeah. and that's okay. why Deschamps goes with him he's a he's a very good footballer okay. and I don't Guys, see why you can just... tune into the Robbie Thompson Levin Kurzawa show um, a little bit later we don't it's have not... too much time to talk about PSG's <laughs> third choice left back at the moment second choice third back, third. Yeah. third choice third probably. choice left Abdul back Diallo. Armel I want to talk about one of your favourite subjects because Jimmy Briand he scored. He scored. And we've, we've been putting a bit of a jinx on him because he was on 95 league gun goals. And this was uh, quite a while ago. And we were going to 
you know, follow him up to 100. Well, he's finally got the 96th. It was from the penalty spot. It secured a draw for Bordeaux away to Nice. It keeps their momentum sort of sort of going. They're hard to beat Bordeaux. And uh, yeah, celebrations all round in the Armel Tanky household this weekend. <laughs> yeah, so just me then. Um, <laughs> let's, let's have a bit of fun with Jimmy Briand, shall we? Um, so he's on 96 goals. He's got that in 433 games. Can anyone tell me who the last player to reach 100 goals in Ligue 1 was? To reach 100 goals in Ligue 1. How long ago was it? Recently, and like Jimmy Briand, he scored his 100th against Nice. No, more no, recently. far more recent. Go on, Matt, you should recent. get this, Matt. Why, there's a... No, Lacazette. Lacazette, Lacazette okay, Last yeah. man to reach 100 games. So, Jimmy Briand yeah. loves playing against Nice. Eight goals in 18 against Nice for the 18th oldest man in Liga. He was 18 <laughs> when he scored his first Liga goal. What for the 18, 18th oldest man? You, did you work that out? Yeah, I worked it out. Love it. <laughs> I love so, Jimmy Briand. So Brion. perhaps it's not quite... <laughs> no? But, okay. so he's the 18th oldest player in Liga this season. He turns 35 on the 2nd of August. Six players older than him have scored in Liga this season. Come oh, on. Goodness me. Six players older than him. Older than yeah. 35. Bodmer? Well, that's one. Yeah. Jale? Yep, two. Okay, that were, they were in the same match. Yeah. Amiens against Lyon, yeah. which I commentated. Florent Balmore hasn't scored. I'm giving you another um, 35 seconds. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> ah, Hilton? No. Renault Coad? Oh. Yes. Oh, ho, ho. Okay, no. Really 20 more no. seconds. That's really hard to put us under pressure like that. Hang on, no, we should be able to. Um, it's a Monday morning. For crying out loud. Got three more. One place for Ren, one place for Lille, one place for Nice. Ren, Benjamin De Silva? No, no. how old is he? Not that old. Loic Remy? No. No. Lille? One place for Ren. And Tom, Font, Font. Jose Font in there right at the oh, end. Well the other done, two so we've are got four out of five. Jeremy oh. Morel, six. Ah, Jeremy, Jeremy Morel, who scored on the opening day for Wren. He and looked... the oldest player to have scored this season, Dante. Ah, there yep. we go. Yep. He's, he looks young with his hair. He's still looking very frizzy. Yeah, and, he's and, old. And, and, <laughs> and oh my God, I've got to bring my heart rate back down, Armel. That was a. Thank you. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> Is that it for Jimmy Brion? Can we move on? Uh, it's only his 11th goal from the penalty spot. <laughs> wow. We can move wow. on now. Four more goals then for Jimmy. But he surely missed a few penalties as well. Wait, should we do a special pod when Jimmy gets to 100? Let's not be too hard on... Look, I know I'm always taking footballers' defence. 100 goals in 400-plus matches, but he hasn't always been in sides that have been free-scoring, and he's a hard worker. He's a, he's a player that, is, yeah. that works for the rest of the team. The, the last game I commentated, he ended up at left-back. For, for Bordeaux when, when there was a I think they lost Pablo through injury uh, mm. and they were down to 10 men I think, Jimmy, I think Jimmy Brion you can separate his career into two parts as well because as a, as a, a youngish player a Rennes-Leon player as a, well Rennes in particular when he was centre forward for Rennes possibly playing with Pagis you know he, he had pace and power and it was before his crucial knee ligaments yeah. And um, he played for France. He was picked. And, mm-hmm. and I thought this guy, you know, he's going to go on and have a big European career. Um, but since that injury, he just lost that bit of pace. And he, But still a really good player, hardworking, and yeah, knows how to put the ball away one, so, once so in Lacazette, every five games. Lacazette got his 100 in 203 games. Jimmy Brion's on 433. He's different. He doesn't he's play. never scored a hat-trick. He's never scored a league yeah. hat-trick. No. He, he's he... only scored more than one goal in a game. <laughs> <laughs> on seven occasions. Look, but he's a he's a workman like he's he's, the, he's a he's a Valer Germain type. He's Suleiman not a cameras, goal cameras on seventy something, isn't he? How many games he played? That's no, but le- no, but don't no. You're being too hard, Armel. There are players that you build your team around. I love Jimmy like Brown. Lacazette. He's a player that you build that you play for Lacazette to score goals. Right. That a player that gets a huge move to a a big overseas club, mm. and there are players that stay in France because. They are a squad man. That you help them, and they chip in with goals, and that's what Jimmy's done. And, and I, yeah, I don't know, think I don't think Jimmy Briand would have missed that chance at Leicester on uh, on Saturday that, that Lacazette missed. But France international, he's had a fantastic <laughs> career. Mm. He hasn't. He's he's still playing at thirty five years of age. Fan, great stuff. Thanks, all, Robbie. All, Thanks, Robbie. We'll, yeah, there we go. We'll talk he's, later. He's still thirty four. Robbie. Talk later okay. about the Jimmy Briand, Flavin Cazalva fan clubs. <laughs> Um, Nantes Saint-Étienne was a big one it's actually a football fan club Matt now people around the world (laughs) had a choice on Sunday afternoon of watching Liverpool Man City and Nantes Saint-Étienne and I tell you what Nantes Saint-Étienne was right up there 
was right up there. Okay, Liverpool, yeah, they did play some good football, but non saint etienne it was 2-2 after 34 minutes at the Beaujois. It was the biggest crowd of the season at the Beaujois, more than 34,000. Um, great to see two of France's most successful clubs, 18 league titles between them. This, in the 1970s, was huge. It's not quite so big now, but... Uh, you know, fair play to Saint-Étienne. I'll just tell you what happened. Ludovic Blas um, took the lead for Nantes. Uh, Trauco, Miguel Trauco, the Peruvian left-back, equalised for Saint-Étienne on 22 minutes. Then uh, Luza, Imran Luza made it 2-1 to Nantes. Buanga equalised for Saint-Étienne on 34 minutes. And then uh, Buanga got another one. I think it's 5-5 five five for him or 4-4. Four four. Um, Saint-Étienne, 3-2 winners. And they're up to, to fourth in the league. And Claude Puel is doing a fine job. There were also two disallowed goals for Nantes in that game. So there was plenty, plenty of a goal mouth action there. But yeah, um, another win for Claude Puel. Unbeaten in five now, is it, in the league? But I think he's made the best start to managerial mm. career at Saint-Étienne in the club's history. Which is so, which is a hell of, you know, hell yes, of a stat, given this something. is a club that's won 10 league titles and... Mm. And in the 70s, were destroying well, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. But Playing didn't, change, didn't, didn't often change their coach. So that's probably why. And but, also, yeah, go on. Also, he's switching his team uh, left, right and centre every week. This this, this weekend's lineup against Nantes had absolutely nothing to do with the lineup he put out in the previous game. And he's been relying on young players, the likes of uh, William Saliba and what's the other centre-back called? Fofana. 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 Yeah. Both of them injured. Both of those injured. Charles Abbey wasn't about and still ground out the result. Um, Denny Buanga is a really important player for him now. But but yeah, I'm, in, I'm impressed with Saint-Étienne. Puyol's doing great and, it, and he's showing that it's not just about having names, it's not just about having... You know, top quality established league on players. He's he's got a group. It's probably a little bit too big his squad, but he's you know he's chopping and changing, and he's proving once and for all to David Crossan, the biggest doubter, that you can play on a Thursday night and then win on a Sunday. And uh, actually, talking about the number of players he's and used, playing Ukraine on a Thursday night as well. Yeah, That's in Ukraine. Some trip. Yeah, they arrived I think yeah. at five in the morning on Friday in mm-hmm. in Saint Etienne. Um, Twenty six players he's used in, in in one month. So I mean. That will calm down. I think that number will become smaller once he gets his, you know, favourites yes, and he knows also, who he wants to play. You know, he's got lots of experience, Claude Puel, and you come into a side where, in a side that was working well last season under Jean-Louis Gasset, not everything has changed. So obviously, it's just small little details, probably mental mentality and attitude more than anything else that's not working under Printemps. You come in. You immediately use as many players as possible. Everyone feels that they have their chance. Everyone is Everyone's up for it. Competition for, place. for yep. places just flourishes. And suddenly you see the results turned around. And also with Claude Puel, something that he does every time, you scrap for everything. We talked about it last week. He's a competitor. He's a competitive person. But he sorts out the defence, first of all, and, and probably not happy with conceding four goals in his last two competitive matches. But... He, he he sets the foundations. He doesn't go for anything too much. It's it's not always beautiful football. He's got the results on the board. Yeah, Fair I, was, I, I was uh, relaxing with a cup of tea um, at home in my living room and I was watching this game and I saw um, a debutant, Franck Honorat, um, who was signed from second division from Claremont in the summer. He made his debut, so Puel threw him in at, at right wing back. We've got Miguel Trauco, the Peruvian, who was excellent in the Copa America. He's taken a bit of time to settle at Saint-Étienne. I was watching the um, the first goal they scored, Honorat bombing up the right, crossing, and it was the left wing back who met it, Trauco, uh, headed it in. And then I thought, well, I'll just see see what's going on in the in the Liverpool City game. And I saw Alexander-Arnold switching the play unbelievably to Robertson, who then crossed to Salah. And, it, and I thought, wow, it's just the same, isn't it? Saint-Étienne, they're, they're playing like the champions of Europe. Klopp was watching on his iPad and then asked them to exactly. recreate it. Exactly, and Denny Buanga was playing the Mohamed Salah role, nodding balls in and stuff. And they've, 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 they've <laughs> no, no comment. I'm trying to trying to get this going, but Santet and Liverpool, they, they were quite close in the 70s. They had these amazing games. Absolutely. And just to go back, I was just thinking the name Frank Honorat was uh, reminding me of something. I've just gone back in to do a little search on him. He actually played for Nice about five years ago in Ligue 1. Yeah, a few matches. Yeah, he's so not, he's, I think he's 25, 26. Yeah, 23. And, 20, uh, okay, yeah, has uh, played a bit of league experience, mostly off the bench with Nice back in the 
2014-15. Ah, oh, that's why he rings such a bell. Perhaps under well, <laughs> yes. Now we're gonna and we're, uh, perhaps under Claude Puel. We're going to oh, um, to no, wrap yes. up. We're not we're not finishing yet. We're gonna mention some other very important results. Uh, I mentioned that Saint Etienne won having played in Europe on Thursday night. So did Rennes, and our man Julian Stefan, who we've been saying is. Uh, is under pressure and what have you. Well, he's got a couple of victories in the league now. Sadly for Ren, they are out of the Europa League. Pretty disastrous uh, run of form for them in that mm-hmm. competition. They lost 1-0 at Cluj on uh, on Thursday night. But that victory, 3-1 against Amiens, is going to um, to boost their confidence. And actually, they're, they're back in contention because the league is so tight. Two, two league wins. They've got that game in hand against Nîmes. And if they win that, they're right up there in the top three or four, Robbie. And uh... Absolutely. Well, I commentated. Um, first half, pretty average from Wren and probably feeling a little bit of that European hangover before bouncing back and showing that you can do it. And perhalps yeah. that's what Julian Stefan they went said behind. at halftime. Girassi scored, didn't he, for Amiens before halftime? He did, and it was a fantastic goal. It reminded me, um, if you cast your minds back to a Dario Benedetto goal against Amiens, Maybe just that one touch on the edge of the box and, and bang low bottom corner finish. It was like that from Girassi, uh, classy strikers finish. I really like him. I think he's a, a really good player in this Amiens side. Amiens had two chances at the start of the second half where they could have taken the game beyond Ren or at least put them back under pressure because Ren came back into it with a fortunate goal through Unu just before halftime, right on the stroke of halftime. And then in the second half, though, after those two chances for Amiens, it was all Ren, one, one-way traffic. Um, Mbignon scored a great little back-heeled goal um, before Rafinha scored from the penalty spot, his first for Ren, And it was Mbignon who earned the penalty after a, a, a VAR discussion with uh, Benoit Bastien, the referee. And just before Mbignon, who kissed the ball and went to put it near the penalty spot and then changed his mind and, and called over Rafinha, Gave it to Rafinha, who then got to kiss the ball as well before he placed it on the penalty spot. And Rafinha got his first goal for Wren. And he's been under fire because he cost a, a, a pretty penny yeah. um, when Wren brought him in. First goal, first assist. Well, hadn't scored and hadn't provided an assist before this game. But you saw the reaction from the bench. They, they came from the bench. Roman Salan, the reserve goalkeeper, ran 50 yards down to the corner flag to get involved in the celebrations. Yeah. Everyone. And it just showed that spirit. And you could see what it meant to this Ren side. They I were good. I think if you're a coach, you, you love to see what Mbignon did. Yeah, Because Young, he's got five goals this season. He yeah. wants to, you know, he wants to be up there in the scoring Ph- charts. Villas Boas was furious with Payet when yeah. he did that in week I know what, two yeah, against yeah, Norwich. As, yeah, I, as yeah. I was saying, yeah, I was just thinking if Rafinha misses, and Julian <laughs> Stefan probably would have gone crazy. But but I think you you do. I yeah. I I think you like to see Look, if it works, your top players trying yeah. to help also, others out. Also, I was going to say to you that run up Rafinha made had everything of a missed penalty yeah, 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 I, was, I was sure he was going to miss after it. that run up you're almost surprised he got like, <laughs> yeah, a decent yeah, contact yeah, yeah. on the ball yeah yeah, no, yeah it was, absolutely uh, it was a funny one but Ren up and running it good, was good they good didn't play last weekend their game against Nim was called off as well because of the the rain down south so look they had they had plenty of time Qu- uh, point on Amiens because Amiens could I have just gone want to third. ask before oh, yeah, okay. Camavinga 17th birthday, birthday he's just got his French citizenship 24th appearance in the first team on the day of his 17th birthday yep French citizenship yeah, could I've, be been try- can I just say, I've been trying to get my French citizenship for quite a long time yeah you're not good enough at football Camavingas yeah. seem to be accelerated rather quickly no I don't think so it was very very well, complicated no it was very him. complicated he had no and papers Robbie it was very complicated until he started playing for it's a very complicated for you too everyone realized how good he was and then suddenly it accelerated no oh i don't know i don't know the ins and outs of it i know that he had no paperwork and that he arrived from angola and in his when his house burnt down in yeah. fougere they lost all birth certificates and copies and, and identity papers which which does uh i mean that is a real kick in the teeth yes well i was trying to say think of something Tra- without tragedy? being vulgar uh, and, and using lots of swear words but incredibly complicated well. situation because if you have no passport, you have no birth certificate, you have anything in a foreign country, well, not, not anymore a foreign country for him. He arrived when he was two years old. But to try and prove who you are and you have nothing is, is not easy, especially in this time of, of human migration. Mm. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that he's got it sorted. 
Well, he he gave a great rendition of the Marseillaise. Maybe we can uh, we can listen to that uh, in the in 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 the Rennes dressing room. He was he was singing yeah, belting filmed out. by Joris Nyanyon on his mobile phone. Did he play well, Rob? He did play well. Yeah, he's a, he's a very impressive young player for seventeen years of age. He, he wasn't a game breaker, but uh, you can't expect that from a from a sixteen seventeen year old every game. But he is first choice in this side, and that already is something very special. I really like Mbanyong. I thought Rafinha was very good at the back. They, they were solid, but Amiens could, have, could easily have turned that one around. It was a game that after 50 minutes, 1-1 could have gone either way. And Amiens, incidentally, and I was just mm. going to say, could have gone second or third, well, equal provisionally if they'd got that win. Um, Luca Elsner dropped both his holding midfielders for the game. So there was no Eddie Nyore and no Alexi Blanc in the starting lineup. He brought in Monconduy and the South African Zungu. And uh, I mean, obviously, he sees them in training. He, he knows and that it was time for a change or whatever. But it goes back to this idea of playing one game every week. Obviously, for me, that was uh, Elsner deciding, I want more energy. I want something fresh in the middle of the park. And it didn't really work. Montconduy could have been sent off probably two or three times in the second half for late challenges. And uh, it, it didn't work. And in the end, he finished with, uh, mm. with Nyore back on the pitch. And perhaps they lost it there. So Amiens could have gone top three. They're now 15th. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> not, not a good result for them. <laughs> Just before we go on our Bon Voyage, a couple of big results, a couple of other big results. Let's say three big results. Monaco. Uh, got a win, one nil against Dijon. So it was an, uh, you know, a, a slender win against a struggling team. Golovin got the goal, but uh, Monaco, for the first time in 18 months, moved into the top half of the standings, which is unbelievable. They're now down in 11th, following uh, different results. Um, a really good win for Strasbourg, who uh, were struggling. They beat mm-hmm. uh, Nîmes 4-1. A couple of goals. And now Nîmes are struggling. Now Nîmes struggling. <laughs> a couple of goals for Robbie's friend Lebo Motiba in that one. Um, and uh, Montpellier. Montpellier His gave... first goals of the season for Libor yeah. as well. Yeah, he was, uh, he, he'd been struggling, as had uh, Ludovic Ajorc, but uh, the partnership looked good against Nîmes. And uh, Montpellier, another striker who has been struggling for goals, Gaetan Laborde, finally got off the mark. Some, some more brilliant play in that game from Andy Delors. I don't know how many goals Andy Delors has had disallowed for really, really marginal oh, It was crazy offsides. again, that, another... that one. His whole body, just his foot. Well, he had two, nine, two goals disallowed against Marseille for really close ones. And then another one um, against Toulouse. So Montpellier beating Toulouse 3-0. And Armel, one of your favourite players, Teji Savanier, who was signed in the summer from, from Nîmes, has had to wait a long time because he was injured. But he's mm-hmm. now fully fit and he got his first goal as well. He did. What a goal it was as well. Struck it from miles out. The sort of goalkeeping uh, Nîmes 2018-19 season alive for some people. Keeper could have done better? Keeper yeah, should I think have done better. Done it, but... one, one word answers. Which which of these teams is going to finish in the top three? Only one. You, you can only choose Paris. one. Um, I'm not going to put Angers <laughs> in there. I'm sorry, Angers fans, but your, your form's just gone off. Saint-Etienne, Lille, Montpellier or Bordeaux? Which of those, let's say one of them finishes the top three? So this is saying that PSG and Marseille... Well, PSG and Marseille or PSG and Lyon or you know I don't know if there's going to be one outsider getting in the Champions League Lyon down in 14th and I'm calling Lyon so you went with Saint-Etienne Lille Montpellier Bordeaux we can't Um, can't say Angers who are currently in third just one word guys sorry Um, (laughs) well Saint-Etienne is too Bordeaux Bordeaux in the top three yeah really Uh, Montpellier interesting um (laughs) What would I go for? Well, actually, I think I already went for Bordeaux, didn't I, last week? I said they might finish up. Let, let, let's, uh, let's say that. D- a word for DC who said Bordeaux will finish 12th this season. No, he's, wasn't that Angers? He said. Next week, fellas. Well, that was at the start of the year. We're off. I just remember that for some reason. We're, We're off. We're off. We're going to see if France can qualify for, um, for the Euros. Uh, week 14 um, in, the, uh, in the French season is throwing up some pretty, pretty interesting fixtures. So let's, uh, let's have a look at them. I'm going to start uh, us off by saying that I want to see if Lyon can can bounce back from their defeat in Marseille. I want to see what the atmosphere is like. Uh, they are playing at home against Nice. Now, this is particularly interesting, I think, because 
Patrick Vieira was linked with the Leon job last season. He was linked a little bit with it this season as well. Patrick Vieira, though, is under the cosh. The Nice fans uh, mm. booed him or his team um, in the uh, last in the last couple of home games. He had a he's had a tough time, so he needs a result. Rudy Garcia needs a result as well, and uh, yeah. I think it'll be a good game. And, and, though, and we always there's like no love Leon. loss between their two sets of supporters either, between uh, Leon and Nice fans going back years and years. So a little added spice. Oh, Mel, what, what, what takes your fancy? I think I might go to Toulouse. Oh, because that's where I was going to go. It's quite but, yeah. rare to see the uh, Stadio Municipal. What a name. Great name. <laughs> the Stadio Municipal filled to the brim. And that's what it will be on Sunday evening for Toulouse, Marseille. This brings me back memories of Mitroglou silencing the Stadion Municipal. What more do you want? It, bring, it brings me memories. Sil- it, silencing? It would have been half full it, of Marseille fans. No, that's now, it. Well, that's what I was going to say. I remember when Pascal, du- Pascal Dupra going crazy because there were so many Marseille fans in the stadium and they were all like, he was. He was started screaming at the uh, Toulouse fans saying, come on, sing! The, the Toulouse, Toulouse, the stadium, Le Stadium, does have uh, Municipal. Uh, the, the Indians, yes, <laughs> Does have the Indian fan club as well, the Toulouse supporters behind the goal, mm. but it is very much we should clarify for for people listening. Rugby territory, the southwest yeah. of France is very much, and that's just rugby their, their name, the Indians. They're not like a group, no, yes, a group no, of fans their, from India. Their, their supporters group. Do you know is why they're called, called the, Indians. the Indians? No, because a filandienne in uh, French yeah. is when you walk single file, single file. And they can do that throughout the whole stadium, week after week. That's why they call the Indians. <laughs> That's without, cheeky. Without uh, getting in anyone's way. Or... Exactly, yeah. Okay, well, I'm, I'm commentating PSG versus Lille at the Parc des Princes. But then I'm also going to Toulouse-Marseille to check it out. Because Antoine Comboare, a former Parisian, he's uh, going to have his team up and ready for that one against Marseille. And also, I'm curious, because I'm not quite bought on the, the, the Marseille revival after that match against Lyon and I think it'll be very interesting to see just the the vibe coming out of the Marseille dressing room before a more low-key match against Toulouse yeah. to see if they're really contenders. Robbie, our most objective journalist, wants to spend his weekend seeing a PSG win and a Marseille defeat. That's his his desire, but maybe... <laughs> Maybe he won't get his wish. We'll find Maybe. out. Uh, well, that in... would be the beauty of football. <laughs> Lille, Lille defeated Paris last time they met, 5-1. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've been listening to Le Bourgeois. We want to hear your thoughts, your questions. Um, uh, League and podcast at gmail.com or the hashtag uh, Le Bourgeois on Twitter. We welcome your thoughts and we will, of course, be back after the international break. Thank you for joining us this week. From uh, Robbie Thompson, Armel Tangi, and me, Matt Spiro, it's time to say au revoir. Bye bye. Bye. Ciao. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobak. Oh, the pass is brilliant for Pepe. And Tobak. The Saint-Etienne surely won it in the 89th minute. Oh, what a goal. Killian Mbappe wraps it up.